All right, we are rolling. Right. What is up, John? Not much, not much, not much. I heard that uh, you were doing some stuff today. Yeah, I was uh, out snowmobiling for seven plus hours um, <laughs> with barely any breaks. We went like everywhere around here that we could that's not like public uh, state trails. But yeah, it was me, two of my buddies, uh, two people I go to, two other people that I go to school with, and then one of those people's cousin, all riding together. It was uh pretty chaotic. I mean, but we were good. It's kind of difficult to ride around here because there's not much snow, and going in the woods, you kind of hit rocks and stuff. So we're like staying in the fields or. What trails we do go on, we have to get off the sleds and check them out first. And the snow is pretty deep in some areas. Like, there's this one trail we were going to go in, and we got off to check it first. And I walked across, and as soon as I started walking between the trail and the field, I literally dropped, like, probably three feet into snow. There was a ditch there that we couldn't see because the snow was so high from snow drifts and stuff that we just couldn't see that there was a ditch there and i stepped in it and all of a sudden i just go whoop, straight down and i turn around and i just get everyone laughing at me like, oh. but uh i um we were going down the field by my house and i went a little fast and i hit a bump and my back end kicked up and i went down so fast it slammed down my back hurts still from it i was going 60 so, a little bit too fast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of them, one of my buddies almost ran out of oil. And not much else really happened. Everyone was running good. Oh, two of the people didn't know how to start snowmobiles. So. Wait, 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 wait. You were riding. They were driving snowmobiles. And yet, when they started, they didn't even know how to start the snowmobiles? No, no, no. So, um, two of them snowmobile quite a bit, but they were on different sleds than they're normally on. They didn't know how kill switches and the choke works. <laughs> oh. So, um, at first it was just me and one of my buddies because the other one was at their grandparents. And then we were riding and I took a little break and then all of a sudden I go to eat lunch and I meet back up at my buddy's house. And then his brother's there, and they're twins. Um, like, identical twins. You can't tell them apart. And so then I get there, and then two other people pull up, and then one other person pulls up, and everyone shuts their sleds off. So then we go to start riding, and I pull mine over, first pull. My buddy pulls his over. My other buddy pulls his over. Everyone's getting there started. Except for these two sleds. One of them was a skidoo, and one of them was a piece of crap Polaris. Go figures. Um, <laughs> and so they're, I'm standing there, sitting there on my sled, revving it up, getting it warmed up and ready. And they're sitting there just pulling and pulling and pulling. I'm like, the engine is, I could hear it. The engine wasn't even turning over. So I was like, well, it was turning over, but it wasn't trying to fire. So. I get off my sled and I walk over. I don't even say anything. I look at the kill switch and the choke. And I realize the kill switch is down, which means it won't start. <laughs> and the choke is completely off. And Oh, I just hit my microphone. And neither of these sleds had been started at all today. So I walk over there and, every, and then all of a sudden they're like, Here, you try pull it. Not talking to me, talking to one of my buddies. And he tries, he can't get it. And I'm like, watch out. I walk over there, I pull the kill switch up, pull choke, and first pull it starts right up. So then I'm, I go back over to my sled, and then they go to start the second one. And they're pulling and pulling, they're like, Andrew, get over here. I walk over, I pull up the kill switch so it'll start, I put the choke up, first pull. <laughs> <laughs> and those sleds, they were 600cc, so they had really high compression compared to mine. I had, like, one of the slow. Oh, they must have been fun to pull. Yeah, they're not as bad as, like, an 800 or a 1,000. 
A thousand CC, most of them are electric start because they're so hard to pull. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy day. Everything went pretty smoothly, though, besides that. How's your bay? Uh, how's your bay? How's your day, Ben? Well, me, I, I woke up, like, really late today. Um, well, I didn't wake up that way, uh, late. I woke up at about 10. But then I fell back to sleep until, like, noon. <laughs> oh, I woke up at 10, so, went downstairs, ate breakfast, I got up. and went out and started snowmobiling. <laughs> so, I, of course, I got up, turned on my PC, figured out that I go, needed to go pick up um, a new computer that someone was going to hand over to me. So, I went and picked that up, set it up, only to realize um, I was being dumb and I couldn't run two different types of RAM within the same computer or else it could fry the motherboard. Big so, brain. I had to fix that. Yeah, I had to fix that problem before that happened. But anyways, it runs better than my old stinky Dell laptop. I don't know about that. He's most likely going to put a graphics card, bigger power supply, and uh, RAM in it. It's an Optiplex, what was it, a 30... 9020. It's one of the newer ones. It's got an i5 in it, right? Yep. It's definitely faster than your old one. I'm pretty sure your old one's a Pentium or an i3. I don't remember. Yeah, it's an i3. And if I pull it up, we got an uh, i5-4590. I have... If it loads... Oh, I opened the wrong thing. Hold up. Where is it? If I pull mine up, I have uh, i7 5600U, uh, 2.6 gigahertz, 12 gigs of RAM, terabyte SSD, Windows 10 Pro. Um, so do we want to get right into our uh, talking points? We've got quite a few of them. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to get through them all. Yeah, probably not. Okay, so... <laughs> so... You started off. <laughs> Do you want me to start this one? Yeah. All right. So we, of course, ha um, have our. We'll talk about where we were and everything first. Like. Yeah. So um, I have a uh, camp up on Wesley Island, that's up in the Thousand Islands, pretty much walking distance to the border. Can you go border. walk and go say hi to the customs people? If I felt like it, but they'd probably gun me down before I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing them. Wow. That just turned <laughs> awfully violent awfully they're, quick. They're, they, at this point, they practically they know what our cars look like, our license plates, what dog we have, how many children are in our family, because they sit at the top of our driveway like at least four times a week. But anyways, yeah, so we're there. We have uh, a couple jet skis and uh, boats. And we need to pressure wash um, the two jet skis that we had out of the water. No, no, so no, that's not what we were pressure we, washing. Wait, what were we pressure washing? A bouncy castle. <laughs> oh, right. We wanted to pressure wash the bouncy castle because... <laughs> It, it got rained on, and then there was mold in it, so we got a, we wanted to pressure wash it. Okay, so, so for context, it was in washer. a bin under their camp with no lid on it, and it got rain from the roof onto it. Yeah, because part of it was uh, outside, the, the under the camp. So we wheeled down the old pressure washer, and of course it doesn't start. And you want to start to explain why, Andrew. So there was an issue with the carburetor, but so I decided, here, I'll try to fix it. So me and John start taking the air box off it, and we start taking the carburetor off it. And then it was time to eat dinner, so we went in and ate, and we came back out. And we're messing with it. It's starting to get dark. All of a sudden, I'm going to tighten a bolt. Or no, it wasn't me. I keep getting blamed for it. It was my dad. 
My dad came over to. I don't know if it was tighten or loosen no, that no, one. Wait, pole. wait, wait. We tried to tight. We tried to loosen it, and then it wouldn't. And then it wouldn't loosen. So, so we kept trying, and we're like, "All right, we should just let him do it." We couldn't get it to budge, so I called my dad. He's like, "All right, here." He grabs the wrench, puts it on, he smacks it, and the bolt just goes crack and starts spinning out. Uh, what you do? Yeah. Um. So so now we have a broken bolt that's inside of the block. engine. Yeah, in the engine block, and uh, needless to say, we didn't get it running. <laughs> so then we brought it back so... to my house, and I'm messing with it. I, Jonathan comes over. What'd you come over for? Was it to fix a pressure wash? I feel like, no, was to, your was dad to, was there. It was, it was the four-wheeler, but, but they were working on a four-wheeler, and we were working on, well, that's a different story, and we might get to that later today about why the four-wheeler was there, yeah. but the pressure washer. So we get there, and we're, we get it to fire, but it'll only run on the gas that we're spraying into it, but if you keep then, spraying gas in the carburetor while it's running, it dies, so we knew there was something up with the carburetor. So when I I decided all right so and I'm just sitting there and then I start pulling it slowly and all of a sudden oh, I... when I'm pulling it slowly b black soot just starts spitting out of the exhaust and I'm pulling it slowly and of course we we want to smell it cuz we don't know what it is No 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 I went to get a and drink and I walk back to see you standing there looking up the exhaust pipe like what 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 <laughs> and i walk over and all of a sudden i just see black crap dripping out of the exhaust i'm like what did you do <laughs> so um we go on to take out the oil the oil looks similar to the black stuff oh no no, no. we gotta explain this smells like we gotta explain how we drain the oil you remember this <laughs> oh, so, so a normal engine has an oil drain bolt not a Briggs and Stratton, though. So I'm like, I do not see an oil drain bolt. So we come in my room, and we get on my computer, and we start looking it up. And we find this dumb video from the Briggs and Stratton company. company. Yeah, it was by the actual company of a dude taking off the cap where you fill it with oil and tipping the pressure washer upside down to drain the oil out. Tipping it upside down. To drain the oil out of it. So we're like, what the heck? So we keep looking. We don't find anything. And we show my dad. He's like, well, guess that's what you're doing. So we grab the pressure washer in a bowl. And I picked up one end of it. He picked up, John picked up the other end. And we drain the oil by picking it up. And dumping it out where you would put it in. And almost immediately we smelled the gazoil. The gasoline mixed with the oil. <laughs> And um, that that's how you know there's was something wrong with your carburetor. When we realized that there was something wrong with the carb. Well, so and, uh, I had a similar issue with my dirt bike. We first got it running, and I went to change the oil. Well, say we got it running. I fixed it up enough to ride it, and I took it for a ride. And then I checked the oil the next day, and I wipe it off. I'm like, holy crap, this smells like gas. So I drain the oil, I put new oil, and then I run it. Brand new oil, and of course it smells like gas again. I'm like, what's going on? And I tell my dad, he's like, something's wrong with your carburetor. So we pull it off, pull it apart. Couldn't find anything, so I just ordered a new one and seemed to fix it. So we ordered a carburetor for that pressure washer, and it came in like three weeks later, and we put it all on. It took like three pulls to get it started, and and that's why you and never use ethanol and gas. <laughs> so uh, eventually it was brought back up to our camp and we pressure washed everything that we needed to pressure wash but we did not pressure wash the bouncy castle because at that point it was already at home at my house in the same bin <laughs> except sitting in the shed but anyways so well, you don't now, use ethanol guess, gas just because it's cheaper does not mean it's better. 
ethanol free. Uh, so now I, I can explain why we even came over to his house in the first place for the four-wheeler. Oh yeah, this is a funny so, story. Well, yeah, it was very fun for me, I guess. Fun to so hear, it's not fun we to We decided to go out in our... So we had we have like five acres of land and two of that is uh we have to we have to mow about two of that. So our three acres in the back, we had just recently explored the there was there's a line of trees and then it opens up into a little field section. Well half of it does, and then it goes back into the woods. So we and it was um I don't know, I think it was uh, April, I think, we were going around in there with our four-wheelers, and he was trying to make new trails, and I was getting stuck, of course, but I was pretty easily able to just pick up my back tires and put them onto a clean spot of ground and keep moving. However, um, on one of the trails he made, he was plowing through, like, some swampy, invasive species stuff that was, like inch and a half thick um, branches coming up from the ground that were all over the place. And I couldn't plow over some of them that he had plowed down. So he takes out the winch on his four-wheeler and starts yanking me out. And he starts yanking me out, and then all of a sudden his four-wheeler just stops when we're about to um, detach the winch and get me off of it. So he says that's weird. He but he just keeps winching me in for now. And I get back on mine, I get unstuck, and and he just sits there and he can't get his started. So he keeps trying for about fifteen minutes or so and he just can't get it started and he knows the battery's gonna die and he wants to preserve it for the winch if we would ever need to use that. We end up um getting mine in a position to pull his, well, we have to push it back by hand a little bit, and it's a Yamaha Grizzly 660, pretty heavy, I mean, I don't know the exact weight, but I would say a good 500 pounds. So we start pushing it, and it rolls, not very much, but it rolls enough for us to get it turned around so that we can at least try to pull it out of the backwoods. And we know that we can't make it through the mud, or at least mine can't pull it through through the mud. I'm gonna and stop you a... for a second. Without any uh, liquid in it, fight, it we weighs six hundred okay. pounds. Six <laughs> hundred? Yeah. So but once you add oil on my little... and all that stuff. So me on my little Predator ninety five, um, Predator Polaris Predator ninety five cc four wheeler. Ninety, not ninety five. 90? Okay. Anyways, uh, attaches the his winch to the back of mine, attached it to the top uh, bracket so that it would dig my back tires into the ground, give me a little more traction. And with my little engine uh, shooting off the worst smelling exhaust I've ever smelled, it was nearly noxious at that point. And it was <laughs> very warm. <laughs> it slowly but surely uh, pulled it out of the pine forest, which was pretty easy to get through, into the little um, and onto the little maintenance road for the telephone poles that Mohawk Valley put in there. So then. Once we're on the maintenance road, which is a good half an hour after we started pulling it, we realize, all right, we can do this now, possibly, but we're gonna have to go on the main. We're gonna have to go on the road <laughs> with me pulling it. So we get on it, and he's still behind it, trying to push it a little bit, and I'm telling him get on because it starts to go down he downhill on the road and I'm worried that he's just gonna come barreling into me and hey guess what happens he's literally chasing after his four-wheeler running as fast as he can and he grabs onto it <laughs> Lucas is footing and is like getting mangled 
but if he did get on, I mean, I guess you could call it getting on eventually. And we had to wait for traffic, and I didn't know if we were going to be able to get start get rolling again because it was a good, I don't know, twenty degree incline on like five inch rocks to get back on the road. But we made it back on the road. I was flooring it, although we were barely uh, going fast at all. Your four and we did also make it only does like back. Five. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, we did make it back. My four wheeler. I don't know what the smell was. It happened the next time I turned it on, but not real. But then it just went away. Oh, uh, it's just from I don't know what the smell the was. Although I do know that we left for our ride at like six o'clock right after dinner and we got back from the ride at seven forty five just as the sun was below the horizon. <laughs> so Yeah. So we didn't know what was wrong with it at that time. And we took it to someone that my dad knew from school and he said, Well, problem number one that I see is that there's all these wires, um, there's all these wires that look like they've been chewed on. Um, hold on. Okay, anyways. There are wires that have been chewed on, and also, on the main, uh, on the main clump of wires that was going from, like, the battery, there was, like, four wires that were melded together, that, like, melted together. And we would, and we assumed that that was from the mice chewing the uh, thing that was insulating it from the engine. Yeah, that would. So that would cause it. he said he didn't have enough time to work on it, so we, of course, brought it over to your house. Well, yeah. <laughs> from there, we we took off the uh, panels and everything, only to figure out that anything that we tried wasn't going to work between. Replacing the ignition coil. Most of the wiring and... harness. Yeah, most of the wiring harness. We didn't get it to work. So we ended up having to take it to Rome Power Sports or whatever it was called in Rome. It got repaired within like three weeks. We had it back. But that was only as the summer was like ending. Well, and... Of course. Yeah, we got in time though to take our dock out up at our camp, so I guess that's a plus. So, me and Jonathan were at a Christmas party. This was like three or four years ago, probably. Um, four. Yeah, we were at Jonathan's house, and of course, me and Jonathan, being the young and dumb idiots we were, <laughs> um, decided let's put a zip line in his basement. Because what else would two 11-year-olds be getting up to during a Christmas party in a basement? So we found a piece of paracord and a well, pulley. It wasn't, it wasn't paracord. It was like this weird plasticky rope that was oh, yeah. barely, in, that I think has uh, like broken now because we used it to pull this tiniest thing. So, we tie it to the steel supporting poles of my house, and that was the smartest thing that we could have done. Meanwhile, taking more math classes now, I realized that the um, forces put on our house were not ideal. You didn't put that much Anyways. on your house. It's fine. <laughs> so, we link up this rope or plastic, whatever, from one pole to the other, probably what? 15 feet gap, if that. Yeah. We yeah. throw a pulley on. <laughs> and then, Do you remember what we used as a handle? Because I don't. I think no, it was just made, a piece of we wood. We made a rope loop. We made a rope loop that we, like, sat in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So at first we made that, but then we also, at the end, we made a handle out of something. I don't know if it was, like, a stick or something or a piece of wood. No, it was the... It was the 
I don't know, ab roller is what you call it, with the, like, two handles on the side and, like, oh, wheels yeah. in the middle. Wait, how yep. did we attach that we, to a pulley? Did we tie it? We we tied it with a rope. Oh. And then, in the final edition of it, before I had was yelled at to take it down, um, <laughs> we uh, put a tiny mattress against the pole. So that oh, yeah, so at first we wrapped a piece of foam. It was like a mattress topper, kind of, foam material. Yeah, we wrapped that around the ending pole, wherever you would end, and then we upgraded it to a mattress because we realized in 10 feet we were going quick enough that that tiny little amount of foam probably wouldn't have done much. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty good while it lasted, but it wasn't really nothing in comparison to what I had up my sleeve next. Yeah, let's talk about this one. So, me thinking two years later, um, um, three years, no, two years after that, I was thinking for a long time, what could we do? Could we make a zip line from the big maple tree at our camp to the little cedar tree? So I was thinking, I was looking online for cable and stuff, and after month and after a month or two of begging, my dad goes to Harbor Freight and gets a hundred foot section of cable for like <laughs> twenty bucks. That was Steel one of the happiest I moments I had ever been at camp that year. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you so, got to tell them about that first pulley you used, the little tiny one, what happened to it? No, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. So, I we run down to the building supply store on our, on Wellesley Island, and we grab a pulley that can work on the cable, or so we thought would work on the cable, <laughs> and we had a cable puller laying around. So we chained up to the cedar tree and then attached the cable to the maple tree, used the cable puller, pulled it tight, and the branch on the maple tree, I think, was a good, I don't know, 12 feet high, I would say. say more than and it that. was going down to 5 feet. So in like 100 feet, we're going down a good uh, 7 feet, which may not sound like much, but... You were going. You were moving after that. So we had to load up the end of it with, like, a tube and everything. And the first thing I used to, um... Oh, my God, I forgot. I forgot a very important part of the story. Before we got the cable, we used red rope. This rope. And we had the same setup, except with a, um... No, we even had the same pulley. We had the we had that same pulley, so we used that on the red rope, and uh, we kind of that didn't last long. That had to be taken down within the day because that was unsafe, and the rope was gonna snap while we were on it. But it worked. So we, um, of course, back to the cable. After going down it a few times on a um, piece of wood that we found that we tied to the pulley that we were just sitting on. No, I that was a swing. That was a seat from that swing, wasn't it? Um, or something to that nature. Something similar. Oh, no, I don't think we stole that seat. It was a board there, with there slits a, in it that you put a rope through. Yeah. And, yeah, so we sat on a board, basically, and we went down. And then after a few times, um, I noticed that there were metal shavings flying off the zip line as we were riding down. <laughs> so I went to investigate, and there were the pulley... I don't know if worn out's the right word for it. It was, it was worn like out. the 
the wheel was um like shredded in the pattern of cable. It was kind of cool, except for the fact that it made our zip line go like the slowest <laughs> ever. Yeah, a uh, little lesson here: don't use a cheap pulley that's made of really crappy steel or aluminum because it's just gonna break. Especially going at that speed. Yeah, we. I. What did you clock it at? Twenty miles an hour. Probably. Yeah, and from the porch on our camp, you could that's enclosed. You could see us going flying in front of the porch, and then just hit the uh, hit the uh, wall. Do you remember the best part of it? You remember when we did bowling with the zipline? <laughs> oh, I remember way too much of zipline bowling. Zipline bowling was the singular dumbest and worst idea that my dad still thinks was the best, by the way. No, that no, was it was so the worst. Funny. So we had barrels, and if you've ever seen those blue barrels that they fill with water, like 15-gallon barrels, that they used to hold down tents at some stores. Yeah, like 55-gallon blue plastic barrels. So we thought, hey, what if we arranged them in a pattern to go bowling, go human bowling? And of course, the first test dummy was me. Well, yeah, you so had the great started. idea to make a zip line. Of course, you're going to yeah. test it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, after a couple tests, that hurt. I'm, I'm, it just hurt. <laughs> It wasn't fun. 20 miles an hour into, like, 20 barrels is, yeah. Yeah, because if you would try to stick out your feet, it would spin you around, and then you'd just bang into them with your back, and no. But if you tucked your knees in, then you're hitting them with your knees. I would not recommend. Yeah. (laughs) I remember one time you went off of it, and your legs... Were underneath it, Much and you clipped. Later. You clipped the barrel. You went over the barrel and you clipped it, but your foot got caught on the edge of the barrel, so it made you fall off of the seat onto the tube. I'm sitting there like, oh my god. Yeah, and then I got mangled by the barrels, and I yeah. just laid there. And that was when I knew that. That it wasn't a good idea. So I went inside to relax. Well, uh, my dad went bullying, I think, once or twice. And a couple other people did it. I think you did it. I did it once. And then realized, holy crap, this sucks. Yeah. So that was not a very good idea. If you ever want to go... If you ever want to make a zipline, do not put barrels underneath it. (laughs) Just don't... Oh, and then I remember this. Um, so we go for a vacation every year for a week, and we went over to their camp. We took a seat ride over to their camp, and I get we get there to pick up his cousin, and uh, I get there and I'm looking at the zipline. I'm like, something looks different. There's like this white, um, foam or whatever thing at the very end is like a stopper. And then there's literally like a rim from a tire as the pulley. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that thing has to weigh 20 pounds. <laughs> so we took one of those uh, wheelbarrow tires and took out the took off the tire part and just used the rim. We put an axle through it and then we and then we attached the zipline seat to it and that was when we started moving fast (laughs) that was when we needed all of the padding that we could get and if you did not slow yourself down with your feet um it hurt you would hit the white thing to stop and it would throw you up into the cable puller and you'd smack the cable and then you'd come flying off backwards yeah that hurt i did that once or twice Because you ran inside, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this out. So I run up the ladder, and all of a sudden, I see you peeking your head out the window on the porch, and I just go flying into it, and I just fall off. 
Yeah, and then in models we attach a smaller piece of like a one one by two to it so that we could have handlebars. However, since there wasn't enough weight, sometimes the uh, wheelbarrow tire would sl would like flip upside down, and th then then it would just then the metal would just get uh, shaved shaved by the cable. But anyways, that was pretty much it for the zipline, and at the end of the year, I took it down, and then I put it back up the next year, and then, of course, to be taken down so that the big maple tree could be cut down. Yeah, so now where are we going to put it? Does, uh, I've been scoping out a couple trees, and we've got a couple options. However, I wasn't able to put it up this year since say, by the time we actually the owned the property yeah. next. Yeah. Since, well, we didn't um, own the property next door um, until very. By the time we owned it, it was already too late in the season to put up a zip line over there. It was like. So. I don't know. Next year, next year, well, this year, where we're gonna put it. But I think that's it for that one. So we went for we a, a CD ride. This. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff happens. So me and Jonathan went for a CD ride with everyone else. My parents, his parents, my family members. We all went for a CD ride, and I don't know if we wanted to or if we didn't have enough room but we decided to ride three seater on our three seater seater so my mom drove jonathan was in front of me and i was in the back and every time we would go to a spot where we had to stay at idle me and john would rock the seatu back and forth and back and <laughs> forth so then we were very close to their camp like we just came out of one of the channels, and we just had to cross we were the like a mile or two. Yeah, we just had to cross the lake. And we I'm, kept rocking. Yeah, we kept that. rocking, yeah, and then all of a sudden, my mom just takes off. I'm still rocking. I'm holding on barely, and I rock it again, and then she turns the handlebars and rocks it. I go flying off the side and smack my head on the side of the sea. Jonathan, I come up. I see Jonathan turn his head, and he's just dying laughing. And then all of a sudden, everyone else is coming out of the channel. They were about to gas it, but everyone luckily stopped, so I didn't get ran over. And, um... Yeah, that hurt. I had a headache for, like, a week. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, this year, I had, um, I think, two people come up to my camp... One? In like September, and this I fun? took one. I took both of them one at a time out in the lake on a jet ski because I have my license now. So I took them we around, and I knew that they weren't really prepared for what they were about to do. <laughs> but I vastly overestimated how hard someone could grip a strap. I was barely doing fifteen. And I pulled into a donut, and they started screaming, and I and I had to stop. So then, of course, I amped them up. I started going straight at like seventy miles an hour, so they stopped screaming and realized that it's not that bad. Um. So then I start doing some donuts, and I do some nice slow ones where the machine hasn't even tilted; it's just going around in circles. And it's not even throwing up a tail. <laughs> so then uh, I decide, all right, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a, um, a back and forth, which basically means I do a donut one way and then I do a donut the other way. And um, the transition between those now, is mind, very the wild. But the transition between them is a fishtail, basically. And I was under the impression that, well. Not really, but I was thinking, all right, I'm going slow enough. There is no way. <laughs> well, I'm going 15 miles an hour. I pull into the donut. I give it one quarter throttle. 
and I go around, and then I do the transition. <laughs> the bottom starts sliding out, and then something happens, and it just kicks all the way around. And I'm like, oh, crap. He fell off the jet ski into the 50-degree water. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I look back, and there he is, sitting in the water. He's like, you threw me off. You didn't hang on like at all. But anyways, okay. so he got it back on the jet ski, and of course I needed to blow dry him so no one knew that I'd thrown a guest off a jet ski. Do they know now? No. No, they still don't know. The only people that know are now everyone that watches this podcast. And me. The two people that didn't know before this were uh, the two people that I took up there. Alright. So, over this summer, I've been working. That's kind of why I quit YouTube for a while. Um, But, uh, I got out of work one day. And two of my buddies that I was riding with today... They have a mini bike, and then they have a small pit bike. They pull up to my work. I drive my dirt bike to work every day. I pull up, or I go to leave. And then, all of a sudden, they pull up, and they're like, let's go for a ride. I'm like, alright, let's go. So I go with them, and then I ride, and then I go to work the next day. Nothing really happened that day when we were riding. I mean, we got stuck once, but... Uh, I go to work the next day. I was only working for a few minutes, or for two hours or something like that. And I go to leave again, and they show up. I'm like, alright, let's go. And uh, we found a new trail that I had not been on. And we go in, and I'm like, oh, this can't be that bad. We cross a ditch. We keep going, and all of a sudden, I just see a giant mud pit. <laughs> so, of course, no, no. I have a bigger bike than them. I just pin it. Go right through the mud, no problem. Spun a tire a little bit, but we're good. And then, all of a sudden, I look behind me. I stopped because I got to a spot where it wasn't too uh, muddy. And I stopped and I looked behind me. And these boys are both, like, literally knee-deep in a mud pit. And you can only see, like, the top half of their dirt bikes. Dirt bike, pit bike, both. So I shut mine off and I go over and I try to help them. These bikes are so heavy, especially the mini bike. The mini bike was really heavy. I could barely pick it up. But I got it up, and we dragged it out of the mud. And we got it up next to my bike. And then we go to get this other kid's bike. He's literally just sitting there, pinning the throttle the whole time. So he's just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper. To the point where the bike was almost at a 90-degree angle with the ground. Literally like doing a 12 o'clock wheelie. So I'm like, what are you doing? You're just digging yourself into a hole. He's like, yeah, whatever. These two kids are both covered from head to toe in mud. Because it was one in front of the other. So as one was spinning <laughs> the tire, it was just shooting the other kid. And so we get their bikes out. And then we keep going down this trail. And then we find another mud pit. I blaze right across it, and I look back. Same thing. They're both stuck. And they're both just pinning the throttle. Like, dudes, stop. So we get them out, and we go ahead for maybe five more minutes. And then, again, there's another mud pit. This one wasn't as deep. I was able to get through it. They got through it. We decide to turn around, because we didn't know where the trail led. We turn around, and we start heading back. And then they're like, we're not going through the mud again. I'm like, yeah, that's probably good. Your bike's already overheated. Let's get around the mud. Because there's woods on either side of us. And with dirt bikes, they're small enough usually. You can get them in between some small trees and stuff. So we go through the woods, through some small trees. I go right through the mud because I didn't care. And my bike's a little bit bigger, so it's harder to get through. I go right through the mud, and then they come up behind me. And I'm like, alright, I gotta get the mud out of my bike. And you guys should do the same because your bikes are gonna overheat. And I know mine has an overheating issue. So I stop, and I get off. And I just look at my bike. I hadn't looked at my bike. 
I just been focused on getting them out and getting through the trail. I get it off my bike, shut it off, and I look at it. And literally, the entire engine covered in mud. The exhaust covered in mud. The carburetor covered in mud. In between the spokes was full of mud. And I realized when I wasn't in mud holes that it was like going side to side, like it wasn't riding straight. I'm like, oh boy, this is bad. So I grabbed my, I had a second pair of gloves in my pocket or just some cheap crappy gloves. So I put those on and I start scooping handfuls of mud for literally five minutes. I'm scooping handfuls of mud out of my dirt bike. Just scooping, scooping. Finally get them out, and I'm like, holy crap, my bike is so hot, it needs to cool down for 10 minutes. So I leave, and I go help my buddies. Their bikes are almost just as bad, so I'm scraping it out for them, and then we get it out, and their bikes, I felt the exhaust right by the engine block, and my god, it was so hot, literally I had red marks on my hands, because it burned it. And uh, I'm like, we gotta wait 10 minutes, because these bikes are wicked hot, and if we run them now... So, okay, let me do a little backstory on my bike. So, I have an old Chinese dirt bike that I got for from an uncle for free, and I fixed it up and I started riding it. Well, this bike apparently has always had an overheating issue. So if you run it for like more than an hour or two without stopping, it'll just all of a sudden act like it's not getting gas at all, and it'll just die. And it won't start. The only way I can get it to start is if I run next to it, jump on it with the throttle literally pinned, and kick it, and start it. And it'll sometimes start, and sometimes it won't, and then I just have to get home, or something. Originally, I thought it was something with the carburetor. So every time it happened, I would take off my carburetor and rebuild it. Turns out that wasn't the issue, it was overheating. So my bike was... So that's what that was. Yeah. So that happened that one day you, you were fixing your four-wheeler at my house, which we'll get into probably in the next episode or later in this one. But all of a sudden my bike would just like act like it was dead. And it wasn't getting gas. So every time I would just rebuild my carburetor, but turns out that was for nothing. And uh, so we stop over at my house and we get some soda and cookies and whatever else we had, because my sister just had her graduation party, and we had, like, literally over 600 cookies that my grandma made, because she, she's a little crazy, and, uh, yeah, so, we, That's a lot of cookies, yeah, you guys took a bunch home, too, and we still had, like, 12, and then we bags. ate them all, we still have bags of cookies that we just aren't a big fan of in our freezer. Like raisin and stuff. I don't like those. Um, but, so we get out of the mud hole and we let them cool off and then we ride the rest of the day and then, so today, we went in that same trail on snowmobiles and we got way farther than we ever got before. We got as far as we could but then there was this one part where it was just all logs that had all been fallen from storms and whatever in the middle of the trail, and we're like, all right, we don't want to try to move this. We don't have tow ropes or anything. So we just turn around today. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. All right, so, of course, in my house, there's never a plan when it comes to my house. Not once have we ever had a single plan other than to do, like, one thing. And it and that one thing usually never happens because you know, or we do it and happens. it doesn't take long, and then we're like, "Well, what do we do now?" <laughs> so we never have any plans. So I we um, don't really have anything to do. So of course I whip out the vinegar and the baking soda, and we're like, "All right, let's go blow up some bottles." So I'd done this before, and. It sounds... Also, this is in a residential neighborhood with a lot of people nearby. <laughs> Probably not the greatest yeah. idea, because then when I went home the next night, yeah. I looked it up to see if I could make a more powerful one. Turns out some kid got arrested for doing this, so there's that. <laughs> nah, I've done this before. My neighbors know that I'm a little crazy. 
<laughs> we all yeah. know you're a little you know, crazy. <laughs> yes. So I I I make a regular one, and of course it do- doesn't blow up immediately, and it gets to the point where it, it doesn't want to blow up. So and then it eventually I don't know what happened. Like the cap got a hole in it, which is pretty boring. So we made another one with no. The first one at work. The first one you threw it and it didn't oh. explode. You threw it twice and it didn't explode. And I'm like, hold up. So I went and grabbed it. Literally, it's as hard as a brick from all the pressure. And I just slam it into the ground, and it literally sounded like a gun. It was so loud. Yeah. You were talking about the two liter that we did. Oh, so yeah, I meant to not, but yeah. So then we, uh, of course, tried it with the two liter with a bunch of ingredients, and uh, the cap the cap exploded, and it, that was pretty boring. And we didn't have another two liter, so. Well, we didn't have the right cap. We were just using a regular yeah, water bottle cap. Well. So then, like, two weeks later, I decided to do it at my house with my other cousin. And uh, we made some loud ones, and then one of them exploded in my hand as I was trying to throw it. So, I, um, last year, last year was my first year getting to ride jet skis alone. Because, um, I got my license. So, I... Uh, take out our jet ski, and I'm going on my ride, and whenever I see a wave, I all, uh, and if I don't have a passenger, I usually take the opportunity. Now, of course, I follow the laws and rules and look around for people, and if there's no one else, and it's a perfect wave, the best option is to take it. So, me and my dad were on a ride, and we were heading out um, on a good... 30 40 mile ride and we see this boat a ways out from many of the like cities that weren't that were near all right so we're going and we're going along and then we see this yacht this is no standard yacht this is a big yacht like this is an actual yacht and it has its motors down and it's moving this boat that's a good 2,000 no a good thousand square feet on a boat that this walkable livable space that probably has rooms for people to sleep in is going 40 miles an hour that is concerning and it's coming at us so I'm getting ready I'm getting ready to go and then we both just launch and run towards it as fast as we can. We're going 68 miles an hour on jet skis. And then I eventually get up to like 70. And of course, we could see it from that from a good mile away. We could see the, the um, rollover of the beginning of the wave from a mile away. And we knew it was big. So we're pulling up on this boat in the rollover. So we were pulling up on this jump, and usually you want to hit the second jump because it's um, you have the decrease in water height from the first wave. So the first wave, I am barely hitting it with any speed, and it's still really big. And I get a good foot, I get a good foot or two of air, and of course that lands me near the bottom of the first wave so and then i give it the throttle i give it all of it and i send it up into the air completely missing the tops of this the tops of the third third wave so jumping two whole gaps and waves wavelengths and then landing on the first fourth wave um but thankfully i it was one of my better landing jobs because I was at least 12 feet above those valleys. And if I had smacked, it probably would have cracked the fiberglass of the jet ski, which is not something you want to do. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. So, so yeah, that was interesting. 
so I guess now I'll talk about me learning to ride a ride. Um, me sorry, me learning to ski. So when I was about eleven years old, we took out the the skis because uh, we felt like it, and they asked me to ski, and of course I'm nervous about it. But I get up there and I sit in the water, and this is the first time that I've like started sitting in the water on my own without my dad. So I sat in the water, and then I got up out of the water, surprisingly, and then I started going. And, of course, my mom was, like, proud of me and stuff. So she was happy, and she was looking forward. She wasn't really looking back. And my, uh, I forget, I don't know how that slipped by, but someone, must have, I think it, my dad wasn't paying attention. But I somehow got my, no, uh, the front of my skis pointed downwards, and I shot down into the water, and I went for a good 10 to 15 seconds going straight underwater with my hand up in the air, just my wrist and above, above the water, and they, and of course, I thought they would actually be able to see that, but no, no, they can't see that because of the jet ski foam coming from the jet. But it was not a very pleasant experience, and I'm pretty much, and that <laughs> scarred me for the next like year and a half. That whenever I would ski, I would get really nervous, and I e- ended up like not doing it. But now over you're time, a pro. I got better, and I ski now. Yeah, well, eh, I don't, I don't know if I would call myself a pro, but I me. can ski if I want to. But yeah, so that's a freaking slalom ski. You're better than me. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. I can get up and I can move around a little bit. But I gotta work on it. I went from one day of skiing, the first day I skied, water skied, my dad's like, the next day, he's like, alright, let's go slalom skiing. I'm like, what? I could barely ride a normal uh, I could barely <laughs> ski normally without one ski. Or with two skis. How the heck do you expect me to do with one ski? <laughs> He's like, oh, come on, you got it. So I get up, and uh, let's just say many fails later, I find myself on the back of the sea dude with the skis sitting on the sides. Because I couldn't do it. Eventually, I do want to learn how to do it, though. Yeah, so... Isn't your mom, that, like, really good at slalom skiing? No, my dad is, I would call him a pro at slalom skiing, but most people wouldn't. My well, people who know what they're doing would say that he's not, and my dad says he's not, but I think he's pretty cool. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, my mom regular uh, skis on two skis. My dad can ski. He runs in the family a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, ski? I think, no, not really. He doesn't seem like much of a water person. Well, what he does like to do is we have a little sled contraption that he likes to makeshift ski on. It's a, it's a, I don't know what you'd call it. It's similar to a knee board, but it's made of plastic, and you start on like your knees, and there's a handle that you can grab onto. Oh yeah, that yellow board. It. But yeah, yeah, the yellow board. Yeah. I used that once, and I fell off somehow. <laughs> yeah, I... T- so, one time when we brought it out, I decided to go on it. I had to, like, maneuver on it. So I tried all sorts of things. I tried standing up on it. I tried laying down on it. At one point, I was laying down, and we were going 34 miles an hour. <laughs> Have you ever tried... I was tried- trying to steer... Have you ever tried to barrel roll on a tube? Like, just being on the tube and then just try to do a complete barrel roll. And then then grab back onto the handles and keep going? No. I mean, take the tube and have the tube go upside down with you still on it and go all the way around. You can't really (laughs) maneuver a tube. It's possible. Look it up. It is possible, but you need a tube that you can actually maneuver, not my my thing that literally 
so that it stays down. It fills the bottom compartment with water once you start going so that it sticks to the ground, but most of the time it doesn't if there's enough waves. Yeah, you're too blessed time I wrote it. That was dangerous. Yeah, because the milk apartment popped and then uh, it turned into a big lump. It turned into a giant potato and it was so tippy. I can't but it was more, you had more me cushy, go on that. So. I cannot believe you made me do that with you. It was freaking cold that day, too. No, no. The coldest one was when I went, like, in September. I went uh, water I skiing. Like, and September 20th. I went water skiing in October. That was cold. In Old Forge. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was last year. But... Well... I think we've made it through everything for today. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, come back next week because we got a pretty good episode about how my elbow's messed up and some other topics we didn't get to in this episode. But yeah, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye.